everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. It's our first time recording since the Women's World Cup, and we were a little bit soused on the streets of Lyon. Gab, what are you drinking? Uh, hard apple cider this evening. How about yourself? I am drinking bourbon on the rocks. So when you do on the rocks, do you do ice cubes and let them melt a little bit? Or do you do like frozen stones or um, something like that? I just do ice cubes. I'm not fancy enough for frozen stones. I do have uh, the big ice cube molds so that you get like one really big cube that takes a long time to melt. Is it, do you call it a sexy cube? No, mine, my mold's in the shape of BB-8 from Star Wars. So not sexy cube. Um, So it's a circle. BB-8 is sexy. BB stands for bad bitch. Well, then it's a sexy cube. Bourbon. If your cube identifies as a sexy cube, then it's a sexy cube. I really love bourbon. I also just got some maple syrup aged in bourbon barrels from Vermont. So, dude, yeah, dude, it's quite good. The house that I'm dog sitting at has something similar, like brown sugar bourbon. Oof. I was thinking I might indulge tonight, but I also think I should probably eat some foods. True. At some point. So let me let me ask this. Can your ice cube identify as a cube if it's a circle? Hmm. I feel like like, like is it called an ice cube or is it called an ice sphere? Yeah, well I feel like that's a taxonomical question, right? Because in the same way that sometimes the name of a specific thing becomes the generic way to refer to it, so like frisbee or Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Is ice cube now the generic name for any kind of frozen ice that you put into a drink? Or is it specifically a cube? Because most trays are not cubes, right? I agree. They're like those kind of oblong and they're flat on top. And they're so we call those ice cubes, but they're clearly not cubes. I I agree. I'm, I'm inquiring. Inquiring minds want to know. So I think my sphere will count like within underneath the umbrella of ice cube. Ice cube is now a generic umbrella. For any kind of like, you know, 3D frozen ice shape that you can stick into a drink. <laughs> that you put into a beverage. Yeah. It's like that whole behold a man thing from Socrates or whoever. It was like upright, yes. two legs, featherless. And so, you know, people would be throwing plucked chickens at him being like, behold a man. And he'd be like, fuck <laughs> you. That's not what I meant. And you know it. <laughs> I was just wondering if, if your sphere, your sexy sphere. Uh-huh. Counted as a cube. Uh, I thought you said schmear for a second, and I was like, <laughs> I did have a sexy schmear. Oh, really? Yeah. I bought some uh, cream cheese from New York, where I was a little while ago. It was scallion cream cheese from this place uh, called uh, Zabar's on the Upper West Side. And Oh, on the Upper West Side. Yeah, yeah, because I'm a oh, bougie-ass bitch now. You're a bougie-ass bitch with your BB-8... Bourbon? Bourbon and your honey... Whiskey, honey, maple syrup, maple syrup you and your schmear, your yeah. sexy schmear. Oh, you got so fancy once you came back from France. <laughs> it's like I, you got dif- used to like a different kind of taste of it. Or something. And yeah, and I had to maintain the lifestyle to which I'd become accustomed. <laughs> a taste of the good life, huh? The good life, yeah. Like sweltering in houses with no AC, getting eaten alive. It was awful. Did I ever send you a picture of that one mosquito bite I got? 
No, I haven't seen any mosquito bites. I'll send a picture of it to you after we finish recording. Uh, maybe we'll post it on the Two Drunk Fans Twitter as well. I'm allergic to mosquitoes. I think I am too, but I like I have a few scars left over from my last trip to Vancouver where I got eaten alive. Do yours like swell up to like weird yeah. shapes? Yeah, you're allergic. Yeah, they, they swell up and um, they, yeah, it's bad. I have to use Bactine. I love Bactine. It's so like cool and soothing mm. and it smells good. Mm-hmm. It gets sticky though. Well, some people enjoy that. Uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about women's soccer? Uh, I mean, I'm just enjoying catching up with you, friend. That's true. We all got back <laughs> yeah. from France and like went into our caves and hibernated, and then <laughs> it's like we had to catch up with real life and reacclimate to real life. Although you've been living the good life, and I've just been working my ass off. I've been working my um, ass off. I know. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm pouty. Where would you like to start? Because we've only recorded one episode this season besides our um, episode in Lyon that I completely forgot even got posted. Do you want to start with the pay dispute? Because it's all anybody can talk about right now. Yeah, let's do it. Because, you know, mediation didn't work. (laughs) How publicly embarrassing is that? It's super public because people who I talk to and they find out, oh, you're a soccer writer. Are you covering the pay dispute? And like just random ass people. I think it's entered kind of the public cultural consciousness at the moment. I Um, feel like everybody's covering it. I'm not sure that this would have been covered in the same way even four years ago. Megan Rapino went to a casino and now shines a spotlight on you. She might be like a big cultural impact here legally u.s soccer may have a better case but as we've said before many times in the court of public opinion they're big time losers Uh i don't know how much necessarily that's going to influence you know if they go to a jury trial obviously voir dire is a thing uh, I saw I saw a schedule that didn't have like a jury trial happening until late 2020. Is that is that fairly accurate? Oh, from Paul Kennedy on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not super familiar with the timeline of labor cases, but just in general, yeah, like the courts can move very slowly. Trials can be set, you know, months or or even you know like a year later. So, and I think that timing is probably what maybe. U.S. soccer or the team might might not mind because that puts it after the Olympics. Like, do you think both of them wouldn't mind? Or do you think, like, I don't know, looking at the calendar and everything, I was kind of like, does that give the time for the revenue from this year to hit the books? And would that become new evidence? Oh, interesting. So maybe they'd want it now so that they can't count. 2019 like fiscal year 2019 that's what i would imagine you a soccer would want and then the players would be like fuck no we're gonna prove it we're gonna hit three years in a row of higher revenue than the men's team right i was also thinking the players might like it before the olympics so that they can have better olympic roster and win bonuses set i guess i'm kind of skeptical as to how much of an impact it'll have like in the moment versus like back pay or just setting up for future generations. I, like part of me is part of me is wondering if these players have now sponsorship, have enough of a safety net, things like that, that they're viewing it as 
um, not necessarily like their responsibility, but that they have the capacity or the bandwidth to take this fight on. And we've just never had a group of national team players who have been able to do that. I don't think that back pay is going to enter into the equation. I think that would be nice if the players got it, but I think it's something that they would be like, yeah, no, 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 no. We will let go of that idea as long as we can set the standard going forward because U.S. soccer has been digging their heels in at every turn already. I don't think back pay is something that they want to entertain, really. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't want to entertain it either, but I think it's it's got to be part of a potential like negotiation. Mm-hmm. One of the minor things that has actually stuck out to me here is, so you might know that U.S. soccer hired two lobbying firms in D.C. to pass around, you know, their their little slideshow to give senators and congresspeople their version of the data. Because they, they're like, we just want everyone to be informed when they talk about it, especially before the Democratic, like, primary debate, in case any of the nomin- like candidates wanted to bring it up. Just in case, which in and of itself is momentous because they were like, they were thinking that the pay dispute is enough of like a cultural thing that presidential candidates would be willing to bring it up on a debate stage when they have limited minutes, mm-hmm. which you have, you have 30 seconds to answer this question. Megan right. Rapinoe is a rock star. <laughs> Get that Megan Rapinoe endorsement, you know, like mm-hmm. give you a lift in, in this little slideshow that they put up that Politico obtained. Um, they point out some of the benefits the women get that the men don't. Things like maternity leave and like injury compensation. And I was like, that just means that's something the men should be getting too from you. Like, yes, there the argument shouldn't be you're getting more than you're actually entitled to. It's like you're also underselling your men's team, which I wonder how afraid U.S. soccer is of the women and the men banding together and facing them as like a united labor front. I thought that was amazing when the player, uh, the men's players association came forward and said they support them. And also, by the way, Carlos, you haven't returned our phone call. Exactly. I was like maternity leave. Well, the men's players should get paternity leave as well. Yes. Like parental leave should be like just a thing. And if I were a men's player and got injured, I sure as fuck would want compensation from U.S. soccer. Like I would hope like based on all these statements of supports, there's been some like back channel discussions of like hey we're gonna do this are you guys on board or like do you guys want to you know take any notes or whatever so i hope um this is the beginning of like uh a more symbiotic relationship between the men and the women where they discuss with each other like all right what are we gonna ask for from u.s soccer do you think that we would get to a spot where the u.s soccer just has a players association um and uh contract with players or do you think that there are just now that there are still too many uh fundamental differences between the two squads um in particular thinking of how many players are actually on the u.s men's senior squad and or like in terms of caps or active players like it's a very competitive environment Mm -hmm. to get a call up um, and it seems like they certainly go through roster rotations uh, in in a different manner than the women's national team, which is maybe a little bit more of like a Harlem Globetrotters. Like if there's a friendly or a tournament, it's going to be the same core of players. 
and that you have a very limited number of French players who are consistently competing for those positions. Like, do you, do you think that even though there's that dynamic, like, do you see that dynamic changing or do you see those two remaining separate in their own ways, but there's one compensation compensation structure? I think that's a really good question because the point of banding together as a labor union is that you have similar labor circumstances and similar labor needs. And I think you're right in that right now the women and the men are in such different places in their games that forming a single players union may not be the smartest idea for either group because i mean yes it's true they both have different contract structures because of the different histories of their games and where they are right now but i think it also has to do because of the different types of leagues or the different professional opportunities afforded them um if if U.S. soccer stopped paying for women's national team members to play in the NWSL, suddenly those costs would be fronted by the NWSL. And we would have different types of specialty players. Like they, the teams would have to come up with additional salary uh, to, to pay for the, that talent. Yeah, that's what I said. They're in different places right now. Yeah, I, I just, I don't think it's just the teams, though. I think it's the leagues that they can play in are also in different places. Yeah, like the women's game are, is in a different place right now than the men's game. Right, but I'm, I am I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get is, like, they can go, the U.S. Women's National Team can go to Europe mm-hmm. and kind of get paid double. Yeah, but they're still going to make, the top paid player is, what, Ada Hegerberg, and she's making 400000 Totally. And that's like nothing compared to a multi-million dollar Premier League salary. Not that a ton I, of U.S. men are getting that, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I guess I, I I'm just trying to make a point of like if the women's national team went to a a model similar to the men's, NWSL would have to figure out how to keep that talent. I don't necessarily know that forming a single players union is good. I don't think that the women's game is approaching a place where female players are going to have similar enough needs on a consistent basis as male players for a long time, if ever, which is kind of depressing to say. But it does remind me that we also wanted to talk about Women's World Cup expansion. True, true, true. From 24 to 32 teams, which I think is absurd right now. It's going to be painful for probably two cycles. At least. I mean, it really depends on how much FIFA is willing to really put into this expansion. What do you mean by that? It means, like, are they just going to be like, all right, we're going to add another eight teams, but we're not really going to put resources into the teams ranked out of the top 20. Uh, We're not going to make a local organizing committee really account for having another eight teams to deal with. So the problems in France are just going to get compounded. Uh, Another thing is the bids for the 2023 World Cup were supposed to be in this October. So two months from now. And those bids, which people have been working on probably for the past year or so, were for a 24-team tournament. And now they're like, well, you've got another three months to account for eight extra teams. And so that means you need eight more hotels 
you need 16 more fields because every team has to have a practice field. And I think they also have to have a backup field as well. You need security. You need in maybe more cities. You need more stadiums. You need to account for like maybe more fans. All sorts of stuff. Just another three months. So good luck, guys. Now submit your bid. I just think it's ludicrous that we know where the next two men's cups are and we're going to have less than three years. Yeah. To get ready. Like, not ideal. Not great, Bob. Not yeah, great. So already you can see like an example of what I mean by like, is FIFA going to put as much into the game as they need to to make this a, su a successful expansion? I really don't think they are. They already don't put enough into the game for a 24-team tournament. So 32, and it's not just the tournament itself. Like we said, what about all the little minnow teams? Are we going to get more Thailands? Like, yes, expanding the tournament eventually I think is important for opening up the field to allow more people to compete on the biggest stage. But how, how many teams do you think are ready to make that leap when we already have teams in the World Cup who are getting blown out? Who do you think is going to make it from CONCACAF? Like, who who are those bubble teams uh, from our own co confederation? Mexico, Costa Rica. I was really heartbroken that this year it had to be either Jamaica or Mexico, basically, from CONCACAF. Yeah. I was like, why not both? <laughs> and now you got your wish. Yeah, depending on how many slots. So that's eight slots divided up amongst six confederations. We have Oceania, mm -hmm. Asia... Europe, Africa, North America, South America. Yeah. I could see CONCACAF getting two slots out of that. I think UEFA is going to get the majority of them, at least three. And once again, it's a balance between bringing in teams that will push the competition, which I'm not sure there are eight teams that will do that right now, versus, yeah, opening things up for development. But, like, there was an interview with Christiane Endler at the World Cup, where she outright said in Chile, like, the money that is earmarked for women doesn't reach them. She's like, where does that money go? FIFA doesn't do enough oversight to make sure federations are developing women's teams. So who fucking cares that they're adding eight more women's teams when, like, in the day-to-day, -day, in, in a lot of these confederations where there are maybe bubble teams waiting to get in, you know, their women's teams are not being developed or being paid any attention by their federations. Do you think this is sabotage? In what way? Or do you think this is like super optimistic? Uh, in in a let's create a real shitty tournament to sink it to tell people, hey, look, women's soccer is bullshit. So stop asking us for more. Maybe. I mean, I definitely... like look at these are these are blowouts. These are these are it's not great. Like, uh, who wants to watch group play? Who wants to do X, Y, and Z? I mean, we saw them sink it. In France, like the conspiracy theory side of me is coming out right now, but like FIFA came out and said, Oh, yeah, ticket sales are awesome. We're almost at a million tickets. Like most of the games are almost sold out. And then there were 12 people in the stands. I think there are two competing things happening here. On one, the one side, yeah, I think FIFA's going to whip out underwhelming ticket and merchandise sales and be like, See, the women's game doesn't justify us investing any more money. And it's like, But you guys like set things up so that they would fail in the first place. With your, like, shitty-ass ticket system and your complete lack of merchandise and blah, blah, blah. Versus FIFA likes to make money. They love money. 
So and so they just want more games to have more. I mean, if FIFA loved money, they would have sold fucking alcohol in France. That's true. And it's not like they haven't gone into a country and actually made them change their own laws to allow alcohol sales in stadiums. Exactly. Um, like, if, if FIFA liked money as much as it did, it ticket sales would also not be $6 for the women's game. Nine euros? I mean, I'm sure I paid 12 but yeah. I kind of like that. I think men's World Cup tickets should also start at nine euros. They never will because I know they can get away with making them super expensive, but I think football should be that accessible at every level. I I completely agree. I'm just trying to counter or fight the idea that FIFA loves money. Ergo, they want to create more matches in a Women's World Cup to generate more revenue. I think they like money, but they also don't care about the women's game. So it's like... Their apathy is costing them money, but they're like, but they're misogynist enough not to care. And they have enough money. I think the, I think the women's tournament is actually starting in 2011. We saw like, you can make money on the world's cup on the world cup. You Uh can, the women's world cup will make you some money, maybe not on the scale of men's world cup, but it will make you money. It's making more and more with every iteration. So they're like, it's not like we're going to lose money. So we just need to invest like this minimum amount and it'll get us some nice little pocket change, but we don't really need to develop it into this juggernaut. It's like penny stocks. Do you think France made money? Yes, but not as much as it could have. Definitely not as much. I'm I'm also a little torn because I don't think we really need to be waiting for like a checklist of signs that FIFA really is willing to invest the money. Like sometimes you just have to leap first and make everybody else catch up to you. So maybe that's what'll happen here, but it could happen a lot faster and a lot better and in a more organized fashion if FIFA made the effort. Like put some structure in place or put some main made uh federations actually invest the money that they say they're investing. Yeah, more oversight, you know? Mhm. FIFA and oversight, those two things don't go get go along. <laughs> Yeah, FIFA loves oversight. They love people making sure that they do things legally and, you know, spend money where they said they would. They love totally. It. They they love it when it's mandated by the court of law. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to get another round of, like, you remember when all those arrests went down in Zurich, like, early in the morning, Swiss time in 2015, and it was, like, midnight here. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, people were getting taken out and they were putting up bed sheets and loading them up into, like, nissan leafs or whatever like electric cars and driving them away and it was all like very swiss it was very it was very girl with the dragon tattoo oh yeah that's an interesting way of putting it yeah it was like what is happening where is something's happening that's very well organized and it's very like neat it's swedish but like that european vibe like where is lisbeth salander to expose fifa via hacking you know oh my god could you imagine (laughs) And FIFA's, like, breaking into her bunker and trying to kill her, but she survives by ducking into the bathtub. You know, I really didn't like that, like, Claire Foy version of Girl the Dragon Tattoo. It was too action-oriented. Um, Lisbeth Salander and that whole series has been a lot more, I don't want to say cerebral, but a lot more thoughtful than that. And not about, like, explosions and, like, gun battles and stuff, you know? 
Oh, I agree. I I actually haven't watched it myself. <laughs> I've only watched it on airplanes out of the corner of my eye okay. while I'm watching like The Favorite or something. Yeah. I cannot believe also that they have like The Favorite or this is the movie that I couldn't believe was like on a flight where you can just watch it while people are sitting next to you strangers. It was um Disobedience. Yes. With Rachel Vice and Rachel McAdams. And yes. Y'all are really gonna play the scene where she spits in her mouth on a plane where there's like kids and stuff. Y'all are really I, gonna let people just watch that? I I get sec I I get so embarrassed when I'm watching a movie where there's a sex scene, and especially if it's a sex scene that I'm kind of into. <laughs> yeah, because that- I'm like I don't need to be enjoying this in public. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna watch this at home by myself. Yeah. Like nice night in. Have a drink, get cozy, turn on the TV in the privacy of my own home, and watch. Although that spitting thing, ugh, God. I just I'm I know about myself after my 36 years on this planet that uh, I am a very private person. Um, I went and saw Titanic with my parents when I was a kid, and boy, I did not want to be watching that movie with my parents in certain scenes. I was like. <gasps> Oh, God, why are we, like, together in this theater? I wish I had gone to see this with, like, other, like, junior high or, like, grade school girls my age. I stopped going to the movies with my parents unless I pre-screened the movie. Uh Uh-huh. And then I think I only went and saw, like, there was a Western, like, Old Country for No Men or something like that. Uh And, um, like, my dad's really into Clint Eastwood or, like, Western movies, so yeah, we could sure. go watch those. And then my mom's super into, um, um, oh, my God, what's his name? He was in The Fugitive, but not Harrison Ford. Tommy Lee Jones? Tommy, oh, she's so into Tommy Lee Jones. And so every time, like, one of those movies would come out, I would be sure to go see it first and then uh-huh. be like, yeah, okay, we can go together. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Uh, yeah, we uh, we saw Tommy Lee Jones one year. We were on a family vacation, and we went to Ellis Island. And Tommy Lee Jones was also at Ellis Island with wow. his family. And my mom fangirled so hard. I'm getting a sense of, like, your mom's type. Because Tommy Lee Jones kind of invokes a very specific type of guy. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I don't know. My dad is, like, um, not that. <laughs> So I don't know if if it's my mom's type or my mom's, like, fantasy type. So you know how everyone's kind of allowed to have a list, but it's it's kind of played for jokes? I read a post where uh, a guy said his wife or his girlfriend, his partner's pick was someone from some ghost hunting show or Mythbusters, I want to say. Some, like, like Z-list celebrity. And one day that celebrity came to her town for a convention and she was like i'm gonna go see him and she was acting like the list was an actual agreement they had made where like if she ever met him she was allowed to shoot her shot and he was like wait wait wait, no i thought it's just a play thing you just you pick someone unattainable but she picked someone who was kind of attainable so what does this mean for our marriage <laughs> I mean, that's like putting a friend of a friend on the the list, or like somebody you went to high school with, right? A hot list. friend, yeah. You know, and being like, "Oh yeah, class reunion," I'd be like, "What?" <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, what? Like that person's still alive? What? Uh, who Who would you put on your list? Oh fuck, that's hard. 
Um, well, now that she's in my head, Rachel Weiss. She's on a lot of people's lists. Like, ever since The Mummy, I feel like. Oh, fuck, dude. She's so good. We all so had good. a little, like, gay Egypt phase after that movie. Right? Um, yeah, your turn. You go. Who's one Who's one on your list? Dr. Ellie Sadler from Jurassic Park, as played by Laura Dern. Wow. Tall and blonde and long hair, huh? Yeah. But I mean, like, smart, athletic, outdoorsy, like, very gutsy. That Mom scene, jeans. Yeah. No. I mean, they had, like, a lot of front <laughs> pleat, but... <laughs> she wore hiking boots, glasses. Um, Kate, Kate McKinnon. Okay. I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. She would, she would entertain me all the time. I would... Yeah. Hmm. Do you know who I have a little crush on? It's Claire Saffitz from the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen. <laughs> I don't know this one if you've ever seen the youtube series it's like a pastry chef makes gourmet yeah. snack food where she's like making gourmet starburst or gourmet snickers or twinkies or whatever um interesting but it's kind of more like a it's actually not even a romantic crush i so i guess i just want to be your friend never mind <laughs> i mean it's a different kind of list yeah i guess so you could you could get there eventually it's on my list you know I used to maintain an actual top 100 in an Excel sheet, and I would no. update it every year. No. Yes. In college. Oh my god, you're such a nerd. <laughs> such a nerd. Uh, I don't... Oh, you've still got to give me a number two. Um, I find it very hard to separate an actor from a character. Yeah. Maybe I so pick, like... So we can do fictional characters, too. Maybe I'd pick, like, uh, Katie McGrath from Supergirl. Oh. She would be way too intense. Apparently she's, but... she's quite lovely and sweet, like, in oh, person. Oh, no, 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 no. Your person is great. Yeah. I'm I'm saying my third person would be uh, way too intense. Who's your third person? Um, I'm trying to remember her name. <laughs> okay, so maybe... I don't know if she should be third, then. She sounds like no, maybe... hold on. I just can't remember her name right now. You're already like a Elizabeth, dad. Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. She's a Scientologist. Dude, I'm not. I, I, it takes all kinds. Okay. You're into that Handmaid's Tale, huh? Uh, fuck yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want Peggy? Who else would be? Oh on my, my god! List? But then there's Joan. Oh, uh, Christina Hendricks. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 I'm going I'm going down I'm going down a wormhole now. <laughs> Jillian Anderson? Ah, that's a good one. I mean, she was like the key to unlocking a lot of like, people's lives in the nineties and early two thousands. I'm like, that's that's classic. That's classic. There is a reason why I, a known scaredy cat, was still willing to watch the X Files week after week after week. I think my Jillian Anderson is um, Liv Tyler mm. from um, uh, from Armageddon. Specifically Armageddon, Liv Tyler. Specifically Armageddon, Liv Tyler, or Aerosmith music videos in the nineties. Uh, if I if I were going Liv Tyler, my favorite Liv Tyler is. Uh, Arwen, Liv Tyler, but only from the first movie where she's like horseback riding and has a sword and she's summoning, you know, river gods and shit. Ah, rest... uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I was like, I don't, I haven't heard of that movie. No. Oh, wait. Horseback, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Not the rest of the trilogy where she's, like, pining for Aragorn and fading away without him. And then, like, gives up her immortality to be with him. I was like, girl, you really get all that up from this guy? I know he's, like, a pretty good dude, but, like, really? All right. God. Like, the crazy music video? Uh, no. Oh, I'm gonna need a moment. Okay. Okay. I think it was crazy. Crazy. Yeah, from Aerosmith. Crazy. By her father. I would not put my daughter into a sexy music video. It's just I'm weird. Not, I'm not judging the sins of her father, yo. <sighs> it's just weird. Hold on, let me So crazy. Oh, man. She's so good. I don't want to miss a thing. Oh, that was also so good. Do you know who I was in love with? I was in love with Kara Knightley in Bend It Like Beckham. Specifically. <laughs> I was just never into that. Into and like I was into the movie from a soccer aspect. Uh-huh. I was never into the movie from like a coming of age yeah. thing. I I missed that like genre of that movie. So like none of nobody in that movie does anything for me. Kira Knightley definitely does later on mm-hmm. like atonement. Atonement really of all the like <laughs> Oh my god. The most sad, tragic. (laughs) I love her in Atonement so, so fucking much. I like her in the um, Pirates of the Caribbean series where she ends up becoming like the Pirate King and stuff. Yeah, no, those those are good. Oh, you know who else is on my list? This is kind of an outlier, but Kirby Howell Baptiste from The Good Place. Do you watch The Good Place? Yes. You know how Chidi had that girlfriend who was a neuroscientist? Yes. Like, That's Kirby Howell Baptiste. Oh. And she's shown up in, like, Veronica Mars, and she's done some, I think she was in Killing Eve for, like, a season. And so I just really like her. She's super cute. She, like, has interesting roles. She steals the scene whenever she, like, she's, so far she's been a secondary character, but she steals every scene all the time. No, I see that. I yeah. see that. I, I dig that. I'm trying to think of, like, I really like musicians, but I can't, off the top of my head, think of, like... I don't know. I can, I'm trying to, like, St. Vincent, Tegan and Sarah, King Princess, Haley Kiyoko, Halsey. No, none of them. Lizzo? Mm, I mean, yeah, but no. Um, Slater Kinney? Either, any of that? Uh, no. No. Stevie Nicks? 70s Stevie Nicks? In the 70s, I devoted myself to witchcraft and Lindsay Buckingham and cocaine. (laughs) Interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm learning so much about myself right now. I think we all are. We we all are. Learning so much about me? Yes. And then I would say top of my list if, like, Captain Marvel were, were real. Well, okay, yes. Yeah. Not Brie Larson. Like, she seems very nice, but she's a little bit too much of, like, a hippie flower child for me who, like, works out a lot. But, like, if Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers existed. In the Marvel Universe, like, all the Avengers are celebrities because of that scene in Thor Ragnarok, right? Where Or in Endgame where people want to take selfies with the Avengers. So clearly they've level, they found a level of celebrity. So, like, if Captain Marvel were real, I'm sure she would have a lot of women who are, like wow, she's so strong. I wish she'd hold me in her strong arms. I can't believe you didn't tell me about this movie, by the way. What movie? Captain Marvel. 
it's all I, I could had, talk about for like discover a, it. a I year. I had to discover it all on my all, all by myself. What do you? <laughs> I talk. It was all I could think and or talk about for like a year leading up to its release. I waited for that movie for like five years. I'm just saying, I I didn't know anything about it, and then I just started watching it on an airplane once. Oh my god! And you didn't even see it in the theater too, and it's a theater. No, I've movie. I've never seen it on a screen bigger than my cell phone. And I've watched it like six times. God. Yeah, I watched I watched it six times in theaters. You should have taken me. Sure. Actually, that would have been cool if I had gone to Portland. We'd seen it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I'm like we hang out together at least once a year. Do you want to move we on should, to like we a, should go a... to a drive-in next time you come out here? Okay. So what's, next time I come out next there, topic? next topic. Next time I come out there will be for NWSL. So let's talk about NWSL. Oh God! Stupid final in North Carolina. Yeah, but I want to talk about expansion. Uh, is North Carolina relocating? No, unfortunately for you. The Athletic, Meg Linehan reported Louisville leading candidate for 2020 NWSL expansion. Louisville? Louisville, and they'll go through USL the way that the Courage did. What do you think about it? I don't think there's as many downsides as there are upsides, assuming that they buy in the same way that the Courage have bought in. What's the, I mean, I just, I struggle with the fact that it's just another East, like East-ish coast team. Mm, yeah, it's, I mean, it's more East and West. I think that's fair. You guys need more teams to really make a proper Western conference to balance out the travel. And It'd like, be nice if there were, you know, three teams on the West Coast. That mm-hmm. way um, there was a little bit more, I don't know, it would be, it'd be nice if at some point there were conferences. I think we also need to think about like TV market and how this might help the league grow a truly national brand that allows them to bring in big sponsorship deals. What? How? Who? What? Walk me through this. So is Louisville like a good market for expanding their national footprint? Like our sponsors, when they get presented and be like, and we're present in these markets in the United States, going to look at Louisville and be like, yes, that's like a pot sweetener i don't think so um maybe maybe not um it's not like it's some podunk nowhere city it's obviously not new york or los angeles like a you know an alpha level city but you know that can't be the only consideration i'm just saying it's a consideration and i don't think louisville would sink them with a sponsor maybe no, it would I end think, up being I think net louisville neutral is probably attractive to like Budweiser. yeah and it might be, like, when you balance things out, the most economical choice, I don't think LAFC is going to join anytime soon. Like, just because Mia Hamm's involved doesn't mean that they're overall interested or able to bring a women's team on right now. And I want a men's team that's going to buy all in and not, like, um, get skittish at the first sign of trouble with their women's team. You know? I just want there to be a year eight me too there will be there will be i i know i just i get so tired of the pessimist attitude that's out there about like it's not picking up quick enough what i really hope is expansion and then uh another team not closing down and i think the team i'm most worried about is not the team that you'd maybe pick first 
I think Sky Blue I mean, actually is fine right now. Yeah, I, I think Sky Blue is going to be fine. I think Alyssa is... Alyssa? Elise? Elise! I'm like, that was a bad name. <laughs> Elise LaHue is doing a pretty good job. As it turns out, when you bring on a general manager who treats it like a full-time job and has knowledge of women's soccer, women's sports in general... She'll do a lot better than your old dude who was treating it as his side gig and was very adversarial with a lot of people. Oh. Right? Imagine getting the right person for a jo- for the job. Actually, the team I'm worried about is Houston. Agreed. Houston and Orlando for me. I think those are both markets where maybe ownership groups are like, your team is not producing as much. To which, obviously, I'm always like, well, what resources did you put into it? Um, and if they put an adequate number of resources in and this is the return that they're getting. It, it warrants the discussion. I just, I worry. I mean, I've always been skeptical of Orlando after their inaugural match and their inaugural season and how much money they threw at marketing that one match and just never followed it up. They've been up and down attendance-wise this season. They started off strong, they dipped a little bit, then they get the World Cup bump, and they're probably going to dip a little again. I don't think they're averaging as much as we hoped they would. I think a lot of us were hoping they'd stay in that eight to 10,000 range, and they're not really there. Yeah. So it's my hope that if we get Louisville or another expansion, that it just makes it 10 for scheduling purposes. So that some balance can return to the schedule, and there's no more bye weeks. <sighs> There would be order restored. I want a longer season. I want more matches. I want, I want, I want, I want. But. And we need more teams to do all of those things. Here's what I will say. At the beginning of this season, I was feeling really negative about NWSL. Based on, you know, stuff that happened in the off season and like lack of communication from the office. And I was like, what is Amanda Duffy doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then. You know, they had a lot of um, personnel problems and then they dissolved their relationship early with A&E. But then, like, good news started coming out where they're like, ESPN deal. We picked up a new national sponsor and Budweiser. Uh, we're talking expansion. So it's kind of balancing out my pessimism from earlier on. It's not entirely gone, but I don't feel as bad about it as I used to. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel as bad about it as I did before the world cup i think i think we're seeing a pretty significant bump after the world cup i just i do legitimately worry for not next year but the year after when there isn't a major tournament to inflate these numbers like how sustainable is all of this stuff and you know i think there needs to be that critical evaluation of some of the clubs that haven't weathered this roller coaster as well as others and about like honestly just evaluating is is it the right ownership group is it the right management group um is it the right market i mean we'll get the olympics i mean it's obviously not as great because everybody's attention is split we're all suddenly experts in like the 800 meter free but yeah i think the real test is 2021 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how many clubs do you think we'll see by 2021 10 but I would like cool. it to be a steady, healthy 10 with everybody's attendance, like, you know, maybe a 5 to 10% increase on your average hmm. by then. That would be nice, right? Yeah, it would be. Some of these clubs, 10% increase would be very significant. 
God, 10% of Portland. Shit. An extra <laughs> 18, 1900 people at every match. You guys don't need that. You're fine. I mean, we we've ha- we got one sellout this year. In your expanded stadium. I know, 25,000. Uh, I literally, FC. when I said that, I kicked my feet up. Sky Blue FC said they've sold 8,000 tickets for their upcoming game at Red Bull. They might end up breaking. I hope they reach 10,000. That would be great. 10,000 people at a Sky Blue FC game. Mwah. That'd be fucking rad, yo. I am so in love with Sky Blue FC right now after they beat Chicago. So sorry, Chicago. Uh, after what they the beat Chicago again. Sam Kerr? Sam Kerr, like, she wasn't able to carry the whole team, and they all kind of looked like they were playing at about 70% speed. No, I mean to her foot. What the oh, hell? Oh, it got stepped on. Foot? It got stepped on. She planted it, and I think Skrosky stepped on it, like while they were, like not on purpose, just on accident while they were so close together. What a Skrosky move! <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like it seems her... like an inappropriate thing to say with the last name Skrosky. Call her Stepski because she steps Stepsky. on. Them. <laughs> I don't Sounds know. like a hockey player name. No, it, it was clearly an accident. So. But, you know, it happens, and Kerr was, like, not 100% after the game. She, like, played through it. I don't think she should have. But, yeah, once again, hindsight. Um, And then, so, yeah, they're, they're beating playoff contention teams. They're, you know, getting new sponsors. They're making their own deals with Budweiser. They're selling, you know, record numbers of seats and having to move stadiums. It's, it's nice. It's nice to hear good news about Sky Blue. They're disrupting the hell out of this. Yeah. And it's great. Um, And then last on our list, I guess, Kate Markgraf, U.S. Women's National Team General Manager. Sobs. Oh, my God. Can you believe it? Kate Sobrero, now Markgraf, National Team General Manager. The Women's National Team has a general manager position in the first place. Yeah, the evolution of the game. Um, grow a... grow the game um who do you think is gonna who do you think she has on a short list for her new head coach well she already tweeted it oh i haven't seen it i've had a hell of a week if i haven't told you that already we'll talk about it we'll talk about it i want to hear about it yeah before she was officially hired as general manager uh she said on a broadcast on espn she would want to look at laura harvey paul riley vlatko and mark Rikorian. Oh God, not Paul Riley. Paul Riley does not have time to eviscerate the roster and bring on everybody who buys into his philosophy. And I could think, you imagine Paul Riley just destroying the morale? Ugh, he would. Paul Riley is definitely a coach I think who needs to have a locker room that really buys into him and his philosophy, and he's just not going to get that with the current pool. And I don't think he could come in and destroy that pool without a ton of pushback and chaos. And they would just blow up any chance of getting a gold medal this next summer. Do you think that that's okay? I think if they wanted to hire him after the Olympics, like assuming a gold medal is their goal, and it always is for the players too, because I think they get a $25,000 bonus from the U.S. Olympic Committee for meddling gold separate from U.S. soccer. Um, Maybe. Because U.S. soccer cares about winning, and Paul Riley certainly can win. In the right environment. In the right environment with the right team. I think it would be super annoying hearing the word underdog at every single turn. 
And it's like, since <laughs> can you imagine trying to employ that underdog tactic with the number one team in the world that's won the World Cup twice in a row? Oh I mean, God. there's there's obviously, I wrote about it, there's different ways of uh, applying the quote-unquote underdog thing where it's like, all right, everybody expects you to fail now because you can't stay on top forever. So in that way, like those psychological tactics. But God, it would be annoying <laughs> from the outside. It would be so fucking annoying. Okay, so Devil's Avocado. Yeah, Liz. Shoot. Could Paul Riley get hired as the coach and U.S. soccer purposefully tank the Olympics to <gasps> make a point in this legal dispute? Full circle. What kind of tin hat? That's incredible. That is incredible. So they're like... I'm on, I'm on my second cider, by the way. So they're like... Kate, now that you're our puppet, we want you to hire someone who's going to implode the team and help us make the legal argument that they underperform. We don't need to pay them as much. I want you to hire somebody who will make the team implode. Therefore, we ruin this narrative of strong, united women. Oh, that's true. Like like union busting. They're going to ruin their ability to work together. Potentially. Wow. That's some, like deep scan illuminati shit i second cider it get me on my third and we'll solve all the world's problems uh i don't know i would say on that list i would most want vlatko look at the job he's done with the rain where they have like one million injured players and he still bandages to put together wins i mean i would just want him so he's not on the rain anymore <laughs> I, w- I think I, my bottom contenders there are Harvey and Paul Riley out of her choices. I yeah. think Laura Harvey is, I know it's Markgraf's job to really perform like the holistic approach to national team development, which includes youth development. But Laura Harvey has shown like a committed avoidance to developing college players into pros. Yep. Um, for all of Jill Ellis's faults, she definitely did look at young players and like try to introduce new goldfish into the tank on a regular basis. Do you think so? She she put that list out before she became GM. I think she knew she was going to be GM, or she was very, you know, she definitely knew she was in the running because she started talking about this back in February with Cindy Parlacone. Okay. Um, I'm just saying, like, do you think U.S. soccer would have its own list? Yes. Who do you think's on U.S. soccer's list? I think CPC is probably influencing them there as vice president and someone who's helping to... Because Mark Raff is going to apparently lead the coaching search, but she's part of a group. I think Cordero talked about it on their conference call where he's like, there'll be in-house people from soccer house who are quote-unquote soccer experts and then maybe some people from the board of directors but mark raff is supposed to lead the search we'll see how much she actually leads and then how much is someone from the board of directors whispering in her ear it's gonna be interesting (laughs) yeah i would really like flacco to get it kakorian yeah he's done some really good stuff with florida state like the seminoles are a pretty powerful college level team because of him um i don't know if he would necessarily want to leave that team although yeah the national team is probably one of if not the most prestigious coaching job in women's football right now i find it very interesting there aren't any other national team coaches on the radar 
I mean, out of the youth system, who would you want to bring up? The people who lost the U-17 or the people who lost the U-20 World Cup? Oh, I'm not talking about in the U.S. system. Oh. Yeah, I would not want to look in-house right now. Get Pia Santaga back from Brazil. Get Sylvia. Sylvia Nide, interesting. I heard Get a rumor. Get her out of retirement, yo. I heard a rumor, though, about Nide going elsewhere, but I can't remember where. Maybe it was, like, a shitty rumor. I mean... Can you fucking imagine if they hired Mark Sampson? Oh fuck, my god. Dude. It's just like a nightmare scenario that just occurred to it, me. That guy's gotta be blacklisted. I would just let Becky choose. <laughs> That's, yeah, solution. Oh my god, beep test. Whoever wins the beep test gets to pick. Oh my god. Kelly, well, Kelly O'Hara. O'Hara. <laughs> She's gonna Kelly pick. O'Hara, who's gonna pick? It's gonna be interesting. Do we have a timeline as to when... Yes. When, uh, uh, I mean, we know Jill is here through December? October. November? October. October? Yeah. Um, hey, where, where are World Cup qualifier or uh, Olympic qualifiers being held? I don't know if they've announced it yet, actually. So, actually, no, I don't think we know where that is. They're probably going to announce that. They've got to announce that soon, though. Yeah, it's going to be in, like, January or February, right? Probably, yeah. It's usually, Isn't it in the winter, usually? Yeah, like that was when we went to Vancouver in 2012. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I want to say it was in the U.S. last time. It was like in Dallas last time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, or uh, it was in L.A. or something. No, I think it was in Texas last time. I'm just saying, they should let us back into Vancouver. <laughs> I'd race hell for 10 days with you. I mean, it would also be cool if it were somewhere in Mexico. Like, what if they filled the Azteca, you know? Um, they they could the women's leagues down there are getting amazing attendance. Some of the teams are, yeah. Well, okay, yes. Uh, but in terms of country that I really want to see coming along, and you know, at every level, so that includes club. It could be nice for them to host some Olympic qualifying. Really keep the enthusiasm rolling for that team after they didn't qualify for the World Cup. I wouldn't mind going to Cuba. Yeah, but I don't don't think they ever would host. I don't think they would. You don't know. I don't know. Maybe they would. That would be cool. You don't know. They could be be aspirational. Aren't we normalizing uh... relations with Cuba? What was that? Aren't we normalizing relations with Cuba? So, like, there's not a travel ban anymore? Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's go. Let's go to Cuba. Let's write a letter. Write Write a newspaper article and see if anybody from U.S. soccer gets you. Where did you learn that? That would be cool if I got a little email like, hey, the Cuba thing. Uh, I'd be like, no, it was a total guess, but thanks for confirming. Thank you for confirming. We just came up with it after drinking some drinks. <laughs> I'm actually drinking like, some drinks. The, the alcohol has done nothing because right before we recorded, I ate a bunch of spicy wings because I like I to do eat, that. I haven't eaten any food today. Any food? Not even Mm-mm. breakfast? No snacks? Didn't have breakfast. I had coffee. Um, I had a brownie around four o'clock and then I came back here. I took Beckett out. She ate dinner and I had a cider. But you had a brownie. Like, I mean, yeah. Baked good, right? Not like a nickname for a drink or something. A brownie. No, a brownie like, like a, like a, like a dessert thingy. I had dessert at four o'clock and that was the only solid food that I've consumed today. So you, you need like a meal meal. 
Like a oh, yeah. Away. I need, like, food food. Okay. Well, then let's wrap up. Sorry we were gone so long, but we both had shit to do after the World Cup. And after the World Cup, I was dead. I, I took, like, over a, a week to adjust to the jet lag. For, for some reason, it was much worse coming back. No, it's not strange why it took so long. I was dead. I had zero battery. My body had nothing to recover with. But yeah, it took a long time. Did you take a long time to recover from the jet lag? I've never been to Europe. This was my first time to Europe. I came back. I had planned, so I arrived back in the United States on a, like, Monday or a Tuesday. Like, I, I arrived back in the United States in Boston one day. I slept in Boston flew to portland the next day got to portland i was totally expecting to be a functional adult i was feeling fine until i got back to my place took a shower and fucking died for 18 hours i was like i was a zombie i would wake up and feel like dizzy like i had a fever like i had to go to the bathroom but i couldn't like, I was hungry, but I didn't know where food was. I was a mess for, like, 18 hours. I've never experienced jet lag like that before. Wow. Okay. And then it took me, like, a week to freaking get my sleep cycle back on schedule and feel like I actually had energy, but I had to be at work that whole time. Yeah, I planned stuff with friends in, not for, like, the first couple of days, but, like, in the week after, and that was a mistake. I should have just hibernated. That's Dude, it. next time I go to Europe, I'm taking a week in Europe and a week at home just, like, to fucking recover. That was not fun at all. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know, someday soon we'll find out where we're going in four years. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll also be in Japan for the Olympics and recovering from that jet lag will be even worse. Fuck. I haven't even thought about Japan and the Olympics. Are you going? I'm thinking about it. Shit. I don't have tickets to anything. I would Shit. not be getting tickets. I would be getting accredited. Sorry. Buddy. I know you would be, but I would have to get tickets. You have to buy tickets event by event there. So. I know. And I don't know if they'll be sold through like an Olympic committee or if they'll be sold through FIFA, because obviously FIFA handles the organization of the tournament like for the Olympics. Really? Yeah. I thought the Olympic committee handled all that. I think like they added soccer to the Olympics and FIFA was like, but we still want to run it our way interesting yeah and i think the olympic committee is probably like one less logistical problem you just need to make sure like the teams don't have logos and shit on their uniforms according to the olympic charter and we're cool i think that's how it is well i'll start thinking about japan i mean well we'll see i've never been to asia uh i i've never been to europe until this year so why not go to asia next year arigato gozaimashita I mean, I understand that as good as I do Fran- French. Gambate, Gabi san, Gambate.